chapter twelve of recollections and letters of general robert e lee by robert e lee jr this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twelve lee's opinion upon the late war his intention to write the history of the virginia campaigns called before a committee of congress preaches patience and silence to the south shuns controversy and publicity correspondence with an englishman herbert c saunders my father had a strong desire at this time to write a history of his campaigns i think however he gradually gave it up when he saw the great difficulties to be overcome and the labour required to produce anything worthy of the subject especially as he began to realise that his strength was slowly failing a fact which his letters indicate just after the cessation of hostilities he had taken some preliminary steps toward acquiring the necessary material in a circular letter which he sent out to a great many of his general officers he wrote i am desirous that the bravery and devotion of the army of northern virginia be correctly transmitted to posterity this is the only tribute that can now be paid to the worth of its noble officers and soldiers and i am anxious to collect the necessary information for the history of its campaigns including the operations in the valley and in western virginia from its organization to its final surrender in a letter to the hon w b reed of philadelphia he writes on the same subject i concur with you entirely as to the importance of a true history of the war and it is my purpose unless prevented to write the history of the campaign in virginia with this view i have been engaged since the cessation of hostilities in endeavouring to procure the necessary official information all my records reports returns etc etc with the headquarters of the army were needlessly destroyed by the clerks having them in charge on the retreat from petersburg and such as had been forwarded to the war department in richmond were either destroyed in the conflagration or captured at the south in the attempt to save them i desire to obtain some vouchers in support of my memory or i should otherwise have made some progress in the narrative i have not even my letter or order books to which to refer i have thought it possible that some of my official correspondence which would be of value to me might be found among the captured records in washington and that general grant who possesses magnanimity as well as ability might cause me to be furnished with copies i have however hesitated to approach him on the subject as it is one in which he would naturally feel no interest in a letter to general early written in november eighteen sixty five on the same subject he says i desire if not prevented to write a history of the campaigns in virginia your reports of your operations in sixty four and sixty five were among those destroyed cannot you repeat them and send me copies of such letters orders etc of mine including that last letter to which you refer and particularly give me your recollections of your effective strength at the principal battles my only object is to transmit if possible the truth to posterity and do justice to our brave soldiers 
here is another letter to general early written march sixteenth containing references to the same subject and to two letters of general early which had been published in the papers it is interesting also as showing his moderation in speaking of those who had misrepresented his words and acts my dear general i am very much obliged to you for the copies of my letters forwarded with yours of january twenty fifth i hope you will be able to send me reports of the operations of your commands in the campaign from the wilderness to richmond at lynchburg in the valley maryland etc all statistics as regards numbers destruction of private property by the federal troops etc i should like to have as i wish my memory strengthened on these points it will be difficult to get the world to understand the odds against which we fought and the destruction or loss of all returns of the army embarrass me very much i read your letter from havana to the new york times and was pleased with the temper in which it was written i have since received the paper containing it published in the city of mexico and also your letter in reference to mr davis i understand and appreciate the motives which prompted both letters and think they will be of service in the way you intended i have been much pained to see the attempts made to cast odium upon mr davis but do not think they will be successful with the reflecting or informed portion of the country the accusations against myself i have not thought proper to notice or even to correct misrepresentations of my words and acts we shall have to be patient and suffer for a while at least and all controversy i think will only serve to prolong angry and bitter feeling and postpone the period when reason and charity may resume their sway at present the public mind is not prepared to receive the truth the feelings which influenced you to leave the country were natural and i presume were uppermost in the breasts of many it was a matter which each one had to decide for himself as he only could know the reasons which governed him i was particularly anxious on your account as i had the same apprehensions to which you refer i am truly glad that you are beyond the reach of annoyance and hope you may be able to employ yourself profitably and usefully mexico is a beautiful country fertile of vast resources and with a stable government and virtuous population will rise to greatness i do not think that your letters can be construed by your former associates as reflecting upon them and i have never heard the least blame cast by those who have remained upon those who thought it best to leave the country i think i stated in a former letter the reasons which governed me and will not therefore repeat them i hope in time that peace will be restored to the country and that the south may enjoy some measure of prosperity i fear however much suffering is still in store for her and that her people must be prepared to exercise fortitude and forbearance i must beg you to present my kind regards to the gentleman with you and with my best wishes for yourself and undiminished esteem i am most truly yours r e lee that his purpose had been heard of in the outside world is evident from this reply to a publisher in cincinnati near cartersville virginia august twenty sixth eighteen sixty five mr joseph topham cincinnati ohio my dear sir i have just received your letter of the seventeenth instant in reference to a history of the late war to be written by myself 
i cannot at present undertake such a work but am endeavouring to collect certain material to enable me to write a history of the campaigns in virginia its completion is uncertain and dependent upon so many contingencies that i think it useless to speak of arrangements for its publication at present thanking you for your kind proposition i am very respectfully yours r e lee there were a great many letters of this kind from northern publishing houses and his replies were all of the same character his failure to carry out this much cherished wish is greatly to be deplored how much we and our children have missed those who know his truth and honesty of purpose his manliness simplicity and charity can best tell during the last days of february he was summoned to washington to appear before a committee of congress which was inquiring into the conditions of things in the southern states with a view to passing some of the so-called reconstruction measures his testimony was simple direct and dignified and is well worth reading by all who wish to hear the plain truth it was his first appearance in any city save richmond since the war and being at a time of such political excitement his visit was an occasion of absorbing interest to the crowds then in the capital when in washington amanda one of the house servants at arlington called on him but failed to see him in answer to a letter from her my father replies as follows lexington virginia march ninth eighteen sixty six amanda parks amanda i have received your letter of the twenty seventh ult and regret very much that i did not see you when i was in washington i heard on returning to my room sunday night that you had been to see me and i was sorry to have missed you for i wished to learn how you were and how all the people from arlington were getting along in the world my interest in them is as great now as it ever was and i sincerely wish for their happiness and prosperity at the period specified in mr custis's will five years from the time of his death i caused the liberation of all the people at arlington as well as those at the white house and romancoke to be recorded in the hustings court at richmond and letters of manumission to be given to those with whom i could communicate who desired them in consequence of the war which then existed i could do nothing more for them i do not know why you should ask if i am angry with you i am not aware of your having done anything to give me offence and i hope you would not say or do what was wrong while you lived at arlington you behaved very well and were attentive and faithful to your duties i hope you will always conduct yourself in the same manner wishing you health happiness and success in life i am truly r e lee shortly after his return to lexington he writes to mrs jefferson davis in this letter he expresses such noble sentiments and is so moderate and sensible in his views of those who were harassing him and the south that all who read it must profit thereby lexington virginia february twenty three eighteen sixty six my dear mrs davis your letter of the twelfth instant received lexington during my absence at washington i have never seen mr colfax's speech and am therefore ignorant of the statements it contained had it however come under my notice i doubt whether i should have thought it proper to reply i have thought from the time of the cessation of hostilities that silence and patience on the part of the south was the true course and i think so still 
controversy of all kinds will in my opinion only serve to continue excitement and passion and will prevent the public mind from the acknowledgment and acceptance of the truth these considerations have kept me from replying to accusations made against myself and induced me to recommend the same to others as regards the treatment of the andersonville prisoners to which you allude i know nothing and can say nothing of my own knowledge i never had anything to do with any prisoners except to send those taken on the fields where i was engaged to the provost-marshal-general at richmond i have felt most keenly the sufferings and imprisonment of your husband and have earnestly consulted with friends as to any possible mode of affording him relief and consolation he enjoys the sympathy and respect of all good men and if as you state his trial is now near the exhibition of the whole truth in his case will i trust prove his defence and justification with sincere prayers for his health and speedy restoration to liberty and earnest supplications to god that he may take you and yours under his guidance and protection i am with great respect your obedient servant r e lee in further illustration of these views held so strongly by him and practised so faithfully throughout his life the following written to a gentleman in baltimore is given lexington virginia april thirteenth eighteen sixty six my dear sir your letter of the fifth instant enclosing a slip from the baltimore american has been received the same statement has been published in the north for several years the statement is not true but i have not thought proper to publish a contradiction being unwilling to be drawn into a newspaper discussion believing that those who know me would not credit it and those who do not would care nothing about it i cannot now depart from the rule i have followed it is so easy to make accusations against the people at the south upon similar testimony that those so disposed should one be refuted will immediately create another and thus you would be led into endless controversy i think it better to leave their correction to the return of reason and good feeling thanking you for your interest in my behalf and begging you to consider my letter as intended only for yourself i am most respectfully your obedient servant r e lee in this connection i give the following letter thanking mr burr for a copy of the old guard which he had sent him and following also what in his opinion the south had fought for and of what true republicanism consists lexington virginia january fifth eighteen sixty six mr c chauncey burr my dear sir i am very much obliged to you for your letter of the twenty seventh alt and for the number of the old guard which you kindly sent me i am glad to know that the intelligent and respectable people in the north are true and conservative in their opinions for i believe by no other course can the right interests of the country be maintained all that the south has ever desired was that the union as established by our forefathers should be preserved and that the government as originally organized should be administered in purity and truth if such is the desire of the north there can be no contention between the two sections and all true patriots will unite in advocating that policy which will soonest restore the country to tranquillity and order and serve to perpetuate true republicanism 
please accept my thanks for your advocacy of right and liberty and the kind sentiments which you express toward myself and believe me to be with great respect your obedient servant r e lee an interesting view of my father's desire to keep himself from public attention is shown by his correspondence with an english gentleman mr herbert c saunders the connected interview states his opinions on several points which are valuable the copy of these papers was kindly furnished me by mr john lyle campbell the proctor of washington and lee university washington and lee university lexington virginia january nineteenth nineteen hundred captain robert e lee west point virginia dear captain lee i enclose the copy promised you of the papers found in general lee's desk the paper seems to have had his careful revision as there are a good many passages stricken out and a good many insertions in what seems to me undoubtedly to be his handwriting and i was much interested in the changes that he made as they were most characteristic of him toning everything down striking out adjectives turning phrases from a personal to a general character and always adding simplicity and force to the original it seems to me most likely that he was at first disposed to allow the publication but declined at last on august twenty second the full limit of time indicated in mr saunders letter i am yours truly jonathan l campbell dictated the papers of which the following are copies were found in general robert e lee's desk in the president's office at washington and lee university on the envelope in which they were enclosed was the following endorsement in general lee's handwriting london july thirty one eighteen sixty six herbert c saunders asked permission to publish his conversation with me august twenty second refused three bolton gardens south kensington london july thirty one eighteen sixty six my dear general lee presuming on the acquaintance with you which i had the honour and pleasure of making last november at lexington while travelling in virginia i venture now to write to you under these circumstances you may remember that at the time i presented to you my letter of introduction i told you that two other englishmen friends of mine who had come with me to america were then making a tour through georgia the carolinas and some other southern states one of them mr kenaway was so much interested with all he saw and the people at home have appreciated his letters descriptive of it so well that he is intending to publish a short account of his visit not having however had an introduction to yourself he is anxious to avail himself of the somewhat full accounts i wrote home at the time descriptive of my most interesting interview with you and with this view he has asked me to put into the shape of a letter all those more prominent points which occur to me as gathered from my letters and my recollections and which are likely to interest and instruct the english public i have after some hesitation acceded to the request a hesitation caused mainly by the fact that at the time i saw you i neither prepared my notes with a view to publication nor did i inform you that there was any chance of what you told me being repeated i may add that i never until a month or two ago had the slightest thought of publishing anything and in fact have constantly resisted the many applications by my friends that i should let my letters see the light 
my object in now writing to you is to know whether you have any objection to my giving my friend the enclosed short account of our interview as it would i am convinced add greatly to the interest of the narrative if you have no objection to this perhaps you would kindly correct any statements put into your mouth which are not quite accurate or expunge anything which might prejudice you with the public either of the north or the south if unluckily anything of this nature should have crept in my letters were written a day or two after the conversation but you had so much of interest and new to tell me that i do not feel sure that i may not have confused names of battles etc in some instances it will be necessary for me to deliver my part of the performance early in september to the publishers and therefore i should feel much obliged by your sending me an answer at your earliest convenience there will be a mail due here about the first of that month leaving the united states on wednesday the twenty second and i shall therefore wait until its arrival before sending my letter to mr kenaway but should i not hear from you then i shall consider you have no objections to make or alterations to suggest and act accordingly if you have any new facts which you think it desirable should be known by the public it will give me much pleasure to be the medium of their communication i am sure i need scarcely tell you with what keen interest i have read all the accounts from your continent of the proceedings in congress and elsewhere in connection with the reconstruction of the south i do sincerely trust it may be eventually effected in a way satisfactory to the south and i most deeply deplore the steps taken by the radical side of the house to set the two north and south by the ears again president johnson's policy seems to me to be that which if pursued would be most likely to contribute to the consolidation of the country but i am both surprised and pained to find how little power the executive has against so strong a faction as the radicals who while they claim to represent the north do in fact but misrepresent the country i am sure you will believe that i say with sincerity that i always take great interest in anything i hear said or that i read of yourself and i am happy to say that even with all the rancor of the northern radicals against the south it is little they find of ill to say of you hoping you will not think i am doing wrong in the course i propose to take and that your answer may be satisfactory i remain my dear general lee yours very sincerely herbert c saunders general robert e lee lexington virginia august twenty second eighteen sixty six mr herbert c saunders three bolton gardens south kensington london england my dear mr saunders i received to-day your letter of the thirty-first ultimate what i stated to you in conversation during the visit which you did me the honour to pay me in november last was entirely for your own information and was in no way intended for publication my only object was to gratify the interest which you apparently evinced on the several topics which were introduced and to point to facts which you might investigate if you so desired in your own way i have an objection to the publication of my private conversations which are never intended but for those to whom they are addressed i cannot therefore without an entire disregard of the rule which i have followed in other cases and in violation of my own sense of propriety assent to what you propose 
i hope therefore you will excuse me what you may think proper to publish i hope will be the result of your own observations and convictions and not on my authority in the hasty perusal which i have been obliged to give the manuscript enclosed to me i perceive many inaccuracies resulting as much perhaps from my imperfect narration as from misapprehension on your part though fully appreciating your kind wish to correct certain erroneous statements as regards myself i prefer remaining silent to doing anything that might excite angry discussion at this time when strong efforts are being made by conservative men north and south to sustain president johnson in his policy which i think offers the only means of healing the lamentable divisions of the country and which the result of the late convention at philadelphia gives great promise of doing thanking you for the opportunity afforded me of expressing my opinion before executing your purpose i am etc r e lee the following is mr saunders account of the interview on only one subject would he talk at any length about his own conduct and that was with reference to the treatment of the federal prisoners who had fallen into his hands he seemed to feel deeply the backhanded stigma cast upon him by his having been included by name in the first indictment framed against wirtz though he was afterwards omitted from the new charges he explained to me the circumstances under which he had arranged with mcclellan for the exchange of prisoners how he had after the battles of manassas fredericksburg and i think chancellorsville sent all the wounded over to the enemy on the engagement of their generals to parole them he also told me that on several occasions his commissary generals had come to him after a battle and represented that he had not rations enough both for prisoners and the army when the former had to be sent several days march to their places of confinement and he had always given orders that the wants of the prisoners should be first attended to as from their position they could not save themselves from starvation by foraging or otherwise as the army could when in straits for provisions the general also explained how every effort had always been made by the confederates to do away with the necessity of retaining prisoners by offering every facility for exchange till at last when all exchange was refused they found themselves with thirty thousand prisoners for whom they were quite unable to do as much as they wished in the way of food he stated furthermore that many of their hardships arose from the necessity of constantly changing the prisons to prevent recapture with the management of the prisons he assured me he had no more to do than i had and did not even know that wirtz was in charge of andersonville prison at least i think he asserted this till after the war was over i could quite sympathize with him in his feeling of pain under which his generous nature evidently suffered that the authorities at washington should have included him and others similarly circumstanced in this charge of cruelty at the time that letters written by himself general lee taken in virginia when captured complaining that the troops in his army had actually been for days together on several occasions without an ounce of meat were in possession of the military authorities when discussing the state of feeling in england with regard to the war he assured me that it had all along given him the greatest pleasure to feel that the southern cause had the sympathies of so many in the old country to which he looked as a second home 
but in answer to my questions he replied that he had never expected us to give them material aid and added that he thought all governments were right in studying only the interests of their own people and in not going to war for an idea when they had no distinct cause of quarrel on the subject of slavery he assured me that he had always been in favor of the emancipation of the negroes and that in virginia the feeling had been strongly inclining in the same direction till the ill-judged enthusiasm amounting to rancor of the abolitionists in the north had turned the southern tide of feeling in the other direction in virginia about thirty years ago an ordinance for the emancipation of the slaves had been rejected by only a small majority and every one fully expected at the next convention it would have been carried but for the above cause he went on to say that there was scarcely a virginian now who was not glad that the subject had been definitely settled though nearly all regretted that they had not been wise enough to do it themselves the first year of the war allusion was made by him to a conversation he had with a distinguished countryman of mine he had been visiting a large slave plantation surely on the james river the englishman had told him that the working population were better cared for there than in any country he had ever visited but that he must never expect an approval of the institution of slavery by england or aid from her in any cause in which that question was involved taking these facts and the well-known antipathy of the mass of the english to the institution into consideration he said he had never expected help from england the people at the south as the expression is in the main though scarcely unanimously seemed to hold much the same language as general lee with reference to our neutrality and to be much less bitter than northerners generally who i must confess in my own opinion have much less cause to complain of our interpretation of the laws of neutrality than the south i may mention here by way of parenthesis that i was on two separate occasions once in washington and once in lexington told that there were many people in the country who wished that general washington had never lived and that they were still subjects of queen victoria but i should certainly say as a rule the americans are much too well satisfied with themselves for this feeling to be at all common general lee in the course of this to me most interesting evening's seance gave me many details of the war too long to put on paper but with reference to the small result of their numerous victories accounted for it in this way the force which the confederates brought to bear was so often inferior in numbers to that of the yankees that the more they followed up the victory against one portion of the enemy's line the more did they lay themselves open to being surrounded by the remainder of the enemy he likened the operation to a man breasting a wave of the sea who as rapidly as he clears a wave before him is enveloped by the very water he has displaced he spoke of the final surrender as inevitable owing to the superiority in numbers of the enemy his own army had during the last few weeks suffered materially from defection in its ranks and discouraged by failures and worn out by hardships had at the time of the surrender only seven thousand eight hundred and ninety two men under arms and this little army was almost surrounded by one of a hundred thousand 
they might the general said with an air piteous to behold have cut their way out as they had done before but looking upon the struggle as hopeless i was not surprised to hear him say that he thought it cruel to prolong it in two other battles he named sharksburg and chancellorsville i think he said the confederates were to the federals in point of numbers as thirty-five thousand to a hundred and twenty thousand and as forty-five thousand to a hundred and fifty-five thousand respectively so that the mere disparity of numbers was not sufficient to convince him of the necessity of surrender but feeling that his own army was persuaded of the ultimate hopelessness of the contest as evidenced by their defection he took the course of surrendering his army in lieu of reserving it for utter annihilation turning to the political bearing of the important question at issue the great southern general gave me at some length his feelings with regard to the abstract right of secession this right he told me was held as a constitutional maxim at the south as to its exercise at the time on the part of the south he was distinctly opposed and it was not until lincoln issued a proclamation for seventy-five thousand men to invade the south which was deemed clearly unconstitutional that virginia withdrew from the united states we discussed a variety of other topics and at eleven o'clock when i rose to go he begged me to stay on as he found the nights full long his son general custis lee who had distinguished himself much during the war but whom i had not the good fortune of meeting is the only one of his family at present with him at lexington where he occupies the position of a professor in the military institute of virginia this college had two hundred and fifty cadets in it when the war broke out general stonewall jackson being one of the professors at one moment in the war when the federals were advancing steadily up the shenandoah valley these youths from sixteen to twenty-two years of age were marched to join the confederate army and did good service in one battle at newmarket of which i shall have occasion to speak later in my letters they distinguished themselves in a conspicuous way under the leadership of colonel ship who is still their commandant by a brilliant charge they contributed in a great measure to turn the tide of affairs losing nine of their number killed and more than forty wounded general hunter on a subsequent occasion when occupying lexington with a body of federal troops quartered his men in the military institute for several days and on leaving had the building a very handsome and extensive one fired in numerous places completely destroying all but the external walls which now stand the professor's houses stood in detached positions and these two with the house of mr letcher a former governor of the state he also burnt to the ground the washington college the presidency of which general lee now holds they also ransacked destroying everything it contained and were preparing it for the flames to which they were with difficulty restrained from devoting it by earnest representations of its strictly educational nature End of chapter twelve